rotten motherfucker. Hello, friends. Welcome to Most of the Harmless Podcast. I'm your host, Dammit Damien. All right, buddies. On today's episode, I bring a very special guest, Mr. Johnny Five of the Flowbots. Now, the Flowbots, of course, are the hip-hop uh, rock R&B group based out of Denver, Colorado, most famously known for their 2008 hit single, Handlebars. And I was a little bit apprehensive at first when, you know, the idea came about to do an interview with, you know, kind of a more hip-hop band because I'm I'm a pretty hardcore punk rock kid at my core roots. And then I saw it as kind of a challenge. It was kind of me branching out, expanding my horizons a little bit, so to speak. And I started doing some research on this band and kind of found out some things about Mr. Johnny Five that, uh, you know, Really, it's not that much different. These guys are essentially like a punk rock band, but instead of screaming, it, they're hip-hop in it, you know, or whatever. Excuse my lame white boy terminology there. I'm not hip enough to, you know, come up with anything cooler. Uh, but no, seriously, um, and at the core root of all these musicians that we're interviewing are very similar things. Uh, what I'm really into on this the show is not the music itself, but the building blocks who have of the people who are making this music. And all of that is, you know what really fascinates me and it's all pretty similar so regardless of if you're a diehard punk rock kid there's probably something some lessons in this interview that you can gleam and you can get and you can understand a lot of people uh, a lot of my good friends are like yeah i'm not really into like andrew wk for ex- example people are like i'm not really into andrew wk but then they listen to that interview and we're like man you know i have a newfound respect for that guy he's not just a crazy party animal um, and hopefully you listen to like this episode with uh, Jamie, a.k.a. Johnny Five from the Flowbots, and you get a, kind of a different idea. Uh, I caught them at their Colorado Springs show uh, this last weekend. Um, they're taking some time off. They just did a little Colorado run, and now they're going to take a little bit of time off, recharge those little batteries, and they're going to go out for at least a full, it looks like a full two months. Uh, they're going out on September 13th. They're starting their tour in Salt Lake City, Utah, and they're going to end it back in Denver or in Eagle, bleh, Inglewood, Ingleton, Inglewood, something. Blah, blah, blah. They're going to end it at the Gothic Theater in Denver. Uh, that full tour is going to be with Astronautilus, another hip-hop guy that surprised the fucking shit out of me, and I love him to death. His last album was one of my favorites of last year. Uh, I forget the name off the top of my head. Uh, so I will probably be at that Denver, Denver show on uh, November 3rd because you know, I love Astronautilus, and now I love the Flowbots. Uh, they're touring in celebration of their new album, Circle in the Square, out now, and hopefully I'm saying this right, Sanchi Records, S-H-A-N-A-C-H-I-E. We talk about their interesting choice for a record label. We talk about a bunch of interesting stuff today, and I was very flattered and honored that uh, Johnny would tell tell his buddies in the band that uh, this is one of the best interviews he's ever done. Like, really, I was probably blushing, and you can hear that all in this interview. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start this interview off uh, with a little, little song off their new album, Circle in the Square. Uh, this is going to be the song. This is the song that I, I find most often getting stuck in my head. It's a little bit different than the other songs on the album, uh, and it's probably not meant to be a single of any kind. But I like it. We're going to open this episode up with "Gonna Be Free" off Circle and Square, out right now off Sanchi Records. Catch the Flowbots out on tour uh, starting in September in Salt Lake City. Uh, check Flowbots dot com for all tour dates. Check out Flowbots dot org for all of their philanthropy. And check out Flowbots.net for some uh, Flowbots comic books. And I'm not going to tell you to check out Flowbots.XXX, but you never know what's going to be there, buddies. I don't know. I haven't looked. All right, guys. This is going to be free off Circle in the Square. Like surgeons in emergencies, median all three, like conjointment and glucosamines, well 
back the joint and wound the knee. Let's decode the Negro and be like Stevie Go. We're not hearing a beat from the projects like Zeker and research. We're jumping in feet first. Reaction more than knee jerk. Don't let his story recur. Twice spreading like a visa. If Bayou doesn't need a sequel, just the silence of the band. Forgiveness is the lots of monstros. Holy ghost, our host, touched down like Broncos. The song goes on like Ponchos. Uh, we're staring at the line of the black sheep here in uh, Colorado Springs, you know, watching the crowd get ready to filter in. I'm um, hanging out with Johnny, Johnny Fath. Uh, I'm hanging so, out with Damien. Yeah, Short Circuit's one of my uh, favorite films growing up. It was on HBO pretty much every day. It's an excellent film, although actually I think as I look back on it that I've only seen Short Circuit 2. Wow. It started to become clear. I was watching Short Circuit and I don't even know if I've seen that. Um, but so I, I always say I, I name myself after the robot from Short Circuit 2. <laughs> nice. Uh, the short, uh, the second one, he's like all punk rock and right, right, beating people right. up and I, uh, you know. But that's not why. That was because it, it was an innocent mistake. He was naive. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, he wanted to be tough. Yeah, that's true. Deep down. So uh, I need to revisit the uh, the, the, the should... psychology behind my uh, the namesake <laughs> of my mom. It's uh the first one. I don't know. It's pretty interesting. It still holds. I watched it not long ago. It was didn't quite hold up to what I right. remembered, but uh, well, I mean, we, what, we watched what it in the back of his aim, and we thought uh, I was. We were both getting sick, Stefan and I, uh, the other MC from Flowbots. We started getting sick and nauseous, and I didn't know if it was from watching a movie in the car yeah. or from how bad Short Circuit was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, real, real question here. Uh, so, you grew up in Denver, true. And that's actually a rarity. I, I, I meet people all the time who, they may have grown up here, but they're not from here. And right, usually right. their parents aren't from here. Right. Are My you, parents were not. I, I was not born in Denver. I was born uh, in Texas and moved when I was four. Must. Um, okay. So, but yeah, it, you know, it is interesting how few people are from Denver. In, in my circles, there's still, you know, obviously yeah. people I grew up with. But there's a lot of other people coming there. It's like yeah. it's like it's a cool place to be or something. So, uh, when you were a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, I if I even thought about it, I think I wanted to be like a comic book artist. Yeah. Um, 
Stefan and I drew comics and planned out comics and had a whole universe of characters that we planned out when we were you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 20, 25. <laughs> I, would, I always wanted to be a comic book writer, and then I showed a friend of mine all my scripts. He was like, this sucks, don't don't waste your time. And I wish I hadn't listened to him, but he was right. my best friend at the time. Well, never, so, never too late to start. Instead, I got into uh, interviewing bands, and uh, nice. it's been a completely different path. And now I'm about to start interviewing comic book people again, hopefully doing that. Cool, but anyway, cool. so... Um, I did, uh, I, I did, I, one of the interviews I was listening to was one you did in Omaha the other night, and you mentioned, and you go, Cypher, you know, Doug Ramsey from the New Mutants, and I was right. floored, because that was right. one of my favorite, <laughs> New Mutants was one of my, uh, when I was in high school, that was one of my favorite comics. New Mutants is amazing. And, uh, so, so I'm curious, like, uh, you know. Uh, so let me just say, on the Cypher yeah. thing, uh, so, again, oh. Stefan, Brer Rabbit, he actually, I think he had a dream where he met me when I was 50 years old. And I called myself Cypher, and I had, like, this, this huge long beard, and I was just, like, freestyling in all these different languages back and forth. Nice. And what's amazing is, like, that actually is a goal, and since then it really became a goal even more. I want to be able to rap on, you know, ten different languages, you know, relatively yeah. soon. Um, but also, how perfect a name would Cypher be? Yeah. But it's like, I have to earn that name, <laughs> you know? Um, so I'm curious, like, comic books, as, as I was saying, was a big, important part of me. You were writing, uh, drawing them. Uh, how big a role on your early life did comic books have? They were pretty influential, actually. I mean, I, I think part of it's just like having something that every week you're, you know, you, there's a story that you want to get the next chapter of that story. Yeah. And so there's this thing in Denver called Nice. I'm sure you're familiar with it, where that Mile High Comics had, mm-hmm. where you could, um, you could order like certain issues and you subscribe and you go and pick up your stack of comics, and you know, every, and you get the catalog. You spend all this time picking out which ones you're going to get next month, and you know that was a lot of my like kind of what I was looking forward to on a daily basis and then I think comics you know Marvel comics which is what I was into were great because they dealt with so many social issues mm-hmm. um, and kind of ideology you know every time there's a new supervillain there's like a new ideology that they bring and so it's a lot of I- the world of ideas the realm of ideas was something that I think I was that's why I gravitated towards comics yeah I, I didn't I, care about like the fight scenes and whatever I didn't care about yeah. it's the characters and like what makes them tick and what you know what are their belief systems that's what really appealed to me. I, I've always been curious because I, even before I read comic books, I wanted to be a superhero, and it's like, did I read comic books because I wanted to save <laughs> right. the world, or do I want to save the world because I read comic right, books? And that's right. that's the interesting. I can't figure it, chicken or the egg type right. deal. Um, yeah. what, what, what kind of life lessons did you learn from those early books that you brought into uh, your newfound spokesperson roles? I mean, there's so many of them, right? Right, right, right. I mean, I think honestly that you know, with great power comes great responsibility. I think mm-hmm. that's a that's one that sticks with everybody, right? Um, and then I, I was always very interested in, in the kind of the nuances of violence. For, you know, like who, who would or would not kill a bad guy and who right. would or would not, um, you know, fight someone once they were already caught and captured. And So th- I think that was stuff I was chewing on. But I don't... The only lesson, I think, is the Spider-Man lesson. Yeah. And I'm sure there's tons that have uh, layered themselves in there subconsciously. Oh, also don't ask for a third claw. <laughs> um, so back 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 to those early days. Um, you, know, you seem like a very well educated man. Um, well, I try to seem that way. Yeah. How, how was your how, how was your like middle and high school experiences? Did you like it? Hate it? Um, well, middle school socially was pretty rough. I mean, um, I always talk about how actually I have a little rap that's like. Um, this is for the middle school kids who feel foolish. Six-person lunch table, you're the seventh coolest. I remember sitting there like, what the was up with this? Everyone ignoring me like Mr. Snuffleupagus. <laughs> but I guess the tears they procured from my eyes was sort of why I root for the less fortunate guy and celebrate Juneteenth and not the 4th of July, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, so, you know, it, was, it could be isolating. I, we had to sit by our grade level. So, you know, Stefan, Br'er Rabbit, we've been friends since we're 10. He was at that school, but we couldn't sit together at lunch. I was sitting with this group of quote-unquote friends who, you know, I wasn't the top of the pack. I was seventh out of eight. <laughs> so it was me and one other guy sitting at the other table, uh, you know, and, and then every time someone wasn't there, I was like the alternate. Like, I got to go sit with the, everyone else. I got to, instead of turning around and having to listen from the other table. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but uh, academic, or I don't know if you call it academics in middle school, I always liked learning. I liked math. Um, I was, my grandma got me interested in math at a very young age. So, yeah, I, I was taking, like, algebra when I was in sixth... Or actually, I started algebra in, in fifth grade. 
Uh, they just gave me a book. <laughs> and I just, I loved it. Like, algebra, I remember learning about negative exponents and just seeing how it worked out. Like, wait a second, like, A to the 3 is the same as 1 over, or A to the negative 3 is 1 over A to the 3? Like, that's amazing. I see how it works. So... I like I like learning. Yeah, is it the problem? The social part was the yeah. hard part. <laughs> is it the uh, problem solving um, aspect of math that you enjoy? I think so. I tend to gravitate towards things that are like a little more theoretical and like equations or you know languages. Even though it's real, it's also like you're learning the grammar of a language. Or even com- I took a computer science class in college uh, as a senior, and I wish I'd taken that my whole. It made me wish I'd majored in that. Um, I tend to do not very well if it's something like like science where you have to like say is this orange or red or in between or <laughs> somehow when I apply when it's time to apply the math I can't do it as well yeah interesting um, what so what was your social experience other you know you just talked about middle school how was high school I mean uh, high school was better I think uh, did you did you enjoy it yeah I really enjoyed high school actually cool. I somewhere I in there I, did you <laughs> I hated it you like middle school though I don't remember to be okay. honest alright uh, I'm pretty sure I hated that too yeah, liked elementary school. High school for me, I, I um, it was the same kind of group of friends, but I also just started to be a little more independent and confident, I guess. And I started wearing a lot of cool, like strange things, sort of exploring what it means to be an individual, like visually. So I would wear like I wore like a kimono, and I wore tiger slippers, and I wore a skirt one day, and I you know would dye my hair different colors, and um, so a lot of times I'll see fans of ours at shows, and I'll be like, oh, that was me in high school. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so you've known Stefan, a.k.a. Br'er Rabbit, since 10, ten years you old. Were ten? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've never had a friend that long. How do you? How did you guys manage to, I mean, you're, what, 33 now? Yeah, 34. 34? I just turned 34. I mean, I, I've never kept a friend long. I mean, I still keep in contact with some, like, high school friends, right, right, but, right. like, we're not BFFs anymore. How it's do you, a how long you time. maintain that? I mean... What's the secret? <laughs> I think... Uh, We've always had the type of friendship that, like, doesn't feel like it needs maintenance, I, I guess. I remember being in college, and we would talk pretty rarely on the phone, like, I, maybe once every four to six months. Um, but there was never any doubt in my mind that he was my best friend. And, you know, when I came back to Denver, it was we just kind of picked up where we left off. and um, So it's always felt really organic and natural. Um, you know, I think recently it was interesting as, you know, we're in a band together. We're also on... Um, the board of directors for our Flowbots.org, a nonprofit that we formed a few years ago, and we do a lot of other things together. So we're kind of always working together, mm-hmm. and I think that can be hard sometimes to carve out space and time to just be friends. We're also neighbors now, <laughs> live, uh, not just neighbors. We live in the same house, just different apartments, um, and so it really can be like you need a, you have to carve out time to just be friends. Um, that's our challenge these days, and we're you know fortunately we're able to do it, but we have to really work. Good. Yeah, I, you're lucky. You're lucky that you have that kind of relationship. Because as I said, like, there there are actually people I can go back to Louisiana and like, and it's like we never missed a beat, and right, I haven't right, seen them right. in five, ten years. You know, it's like eh, they're probably eh. still your friends. Yeah, yeah. And those those dudes are fantastic. They're like, yeah. I'm sorry, I never called, but I know your every move thanks to Facebook. Right. Well, yeah. yeah. Ditto. So, um, at one point, when did you find hip hop? When did you discover that hip hop aspect of your life? Who's in high school? Uh, I'm trying to think of the first group. Well, the very first hip hop tape I brought, I bought was Young MC Stone Cold Rhyming, which maybe isn't like the one you're supposed to say. You're supposed to be like my first one was like Cool G Rap or, or uh, you know Rakim or something like that. I but mean, it could have been Vanilla Ice. Yeah, that's right. It could, it could always be worse. I wasn't into Vanilla Ice. I was I was into Young MC. I, was, I still like that tape. I stand behind that tape. Um, actually, what's funny is that we went on to work with Mario C later, and in his bathroom in his studio. Uh, it's Mario C who produced Beastie Boys, but he also worked on, I believe, Bust a Move. Like in his bathroom was the platinum record <laughs> for Bust. So I'm like going to the bathroom, you know, in LA in the studio. I'm like, oh, that's the first album I listened to, first hip hop album. It's all full circle. Exactly, full circle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just was. I, most of the stuff I heard was just stuff on the radio, like you know, uh, JJ Fad, Supersonic, uh, and then I, you know, uh, De La Soul and. So I just kind of got into it probably the way just millions of other people got into hip-hop. Yeah. What uh, was the allure of it? I think I just... Well, at first I didn't always get it. Like, I would just be like, well, it's just kind of monotonous talking. But I think the rhyme schemes... I was I was like a syllable person. Like, 
you know, look at I, when I heard Black Delicious for the first time. I'm like, yeah. Man, he's doing five syllable rhymes. Five and how could you like these other people that don't? How could you like Notorious B.I.G.? That's not a five syllable rhyme. I was like super nerdy about it, um, and I feel like I had to develop later to learn like, no, there's something called flow, and that can be good too. And there's also storytelling. And there's also this and that. Um, but I think it just you know my mind works and thinks in terms of kind of both ideas and then equations and then like playfulness and all those things are encapsulated in in just lyrics and I, I've just been a lyrics person more than yeah. anything you know I never I never have especially been into the other elements I have a lot of respect for them but it, personally I don't have any ability to you know I'm not a I can't b-boy I can't DJ I, I don't do graffiti uh, but I just always love lyrics uh, did you have any musical obsessions before hip hop uh yeah, I used to do this thing, like there was we had one of those tape recorders where you could actually just press play and record and just record from the air. Um, and I had that, and I remember doing th- these projects where I would just mess with like kind of multi-tracking, like mm-hmm. amateur style, like get two cassette tapes, put one in there, and then I'd be like, I remember the first time I did it, it was like one, two, three, four, one, two. I say, I say, number sign. This little, that was it, and then I flipped them up and then I harmonized with number sign did like a chord you know nice yeah. um, or I, I actually did uh, Don't Worry Be Happy <laughs> I listened to it and broke it down into the parts and then I got the cassette players and just did the same thing I made that whole song and somewhere I have it like me singing Don't Worry Be Happy I can't really actually I don't sound good mm-hmm. like I hit some of the notes or whatever but I don't sound good at all but I did it you know I made yeah. <laughs> how old were you? So, uh, I was 16 or 15 yeah cool yeah. What, what were you into though earlier before you found hip hop like I, I was late listening to music, but the first tape I kind of got into was Willie Nelson. Uh, oh, nice. Uh, well, Turn Out the Lights, the Party's Over is a song. What's the album? Uh, you know, I don't know. No, maybe that is The Party's Over. Whatever one that's on, and I was pretty into that. But that was just my dad's tape. Yeah. Um, they Might Be Giants. I was pretty yeah. hardcore into them. R.E.M., like, you know, a lot of that night, like, the 90s stuff. Yeah. At what point did you start, like, writing songs and whatnot? Were you writing things before that, like short stories I was, I was, and whatnot? Yeah, I was into writing. I was into writing poetry and short stories, and um, I kind of did that. I did some summer camps around that. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I probably identified as a writer early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I had played piano seven years when I was a kid, and I'd taken violin for two years. And so I, nice. I kind of had like a musical background, but it was always the rhythm that I gravitated towards. I had a drum set in high school. I wasn't disciplined enough to like learn to tighten the heads and everything, you know, but I loved banging around on the drums. Um, so I don't know, it all kind of, like, it was kind of like, lyrics was just like everything I'd been looking for. It was words, it was writing, it was rhythm. Um, yeah. So once I, it was probably my senior year, high school, junior, senior year, I started really, in the course of messing around with friends, you know, Stefan and all of our friends would, would mess around rhyming and I kept trying it and doing it more here and there and really yeah. got into it, you know. Yeah. Um, what were those early, you know, songs about? Well, I can tell that the very first rhyme I wrote was like I did what I think a lot of people do, where you confuse the form and the art. Mm-hmm. You think, well, because other people rap about this, I have to rap about. It. So it was like incredibly sexist. I can't, I can't believe it happened that way. But uh, the second rhyme I wrote was about being able to rhyme, you know, and that one I still think is kind of good. <laughs> uh, and I was playing something on the piano and looping it back and forth. Um, what was the value? I think it was like <laughs> oh, no, the, no the second one was like this kind of like end of the world apocalyptic type thing it was like it was like hold on to your hats lock your windows and doors get the phone off take the phone off the hook and get ready for war you know it was like yeah <laughs> it was funny yeah um, so hip hop did have a very big role on your developing adolescence um, what would you say were the biggest uh, lessons you learned from that kind of stuff well, um, that was kind of kind of like comics. It was like right. trying to kind of figure out the ethics of everything. I remember having this long argument about there's a there's a black sheep skit. Funny, we're at the black yeah. sheep. There was a skit on the black sheep album, and they were saying like you know the woman, women were saying we we disagree with you you know the sexism in your lyrics, and they said you know we don't call you ho we call you ho like ho knees, and so why don't you drop to your knees and get you know whatever. And I remember arguing back and forth, like, I was saying that's messed up, and other people were like, no, it's funny, or, no, you don't understand where they come from, and I was like, I'd rather listen to people that came from that same area and don't say this kind of stuff. So it was like, you know, we're trying to work out ethics and morality, what we're hearing, and I think that continued, and I started to turn that back towards myself and say, look, 
I'm a white rapper. I didn't come from the situation that led to this art form, um, but it's an incredible, beautiful art form, and it feels very personal to me, too, even right. though I'm miles away from the epicenter. And I'm not dealing with racism and oppression and poverty the way people who started this this beautiful movement were and are. And so I had, in college, this sort of struggle of, like, well, is this really appropriate for me to be doing this? And I just knew the answer couldn't be no because I loved it too much, and it, that right. felt like a, a waste of everything. So I thought, well, if I'm going to do it, I need to really take seriously what I'm hearing, right. and I need to address those issues. And, you know, I have a song where I even say, like, you know, I'll be an activist. That's like, I just decided that in that song. And then I had to figure out what it meant to be an activist. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that kind of led me on the path of music and activism. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, t- I take it you grew up pretty fairly middle class, I'm going to Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in, like, it's funny, I think, like, I don't think my... It's not like I grew up in a huge house or something. Right. I grew up in a uh, just, you know, middle-class, neighbor, comfortable neighborhood in, in Denver. Yeah. But I think my parents were always wanted to make sure I realized that what the world is really like. So they would say, yeah, you're, you're, like, you know, in this country, probably in the top five percentile in terms of wealth. Um, in the world, we're in the top, you know, one or two, you know. Um, I don't know if he had his numbers exactly right, but the point was there, like, you know... You, don't ever think don't ever think that you don't have some real opportunities and be aware that the world isn't isn't right. an equal place and I thought that was good of them to make clear have they been supportive of the music yeah absolutely that's good my mom's family was um, in the, big in sort of the Texas theater scene oh nice and uh, so they are all around performance you know their whole lives and uh so I think it's pretty natural for my mom. She relates to the performer side. Cool. Yeah. My, my dad was always a musician, always trying to teach oh, cool. me. And, like, they didn't offer, in my school, they didn't offer, like, guitar. They did at the neighboring school, but I learned, I learned uh, tried to learn piano. They wouldn't take me in the class, but I learned violin and stuff. Oh, cool. So nice. I, could, I played violin for 10 years. Never very good because I can't read, sh- like, even after years of reading sheet music, I yeah. can't read sheet music. Like it just it it's too fast for uh, my. I'm dyslexic, so okay. uh, we didn't figure that out till I was 16, 17. But I uh, can't read that kind of stuff. But they've always been very supportive of my musical stuff, so and I'm thankful yeah. for that. So I remember on violin the first time when I was at a neighbor's, or like we were at a family friend's house, and they had a violin and said, "Well, can you play something?" And I said, "Well, I don't know." I looked at it, and you know, my violin had the tape on mm-hmm. for the frets. I mean, just to indicate where I should be. Right. This one didn't, and I was like, "Oh, I don't think I can play it." And they're like, "You just try, just try." And I actually pl- played the song. This was, you know, it was like a, it was like a Dumbo type moment. Like, like <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't need that jam to fly. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I can still play. Mary had a little lamp with my eyes closed. Nice. I cannot. Oh man, it's so ingrained in me. But um, so let's fast forward a little bit. Uh, sure. What did you go to college for? Not not I too st- far. I but studied African American studies. Wow. Um, which I had studied a little bit. In, I mean, I'd taken some classes in high school, and I just felt like I liked history, and it was like that's a good lens from which to learn history. If you learn history, like just kind of history history, you you study kind of what was more of what was on paper, and mm-hmm. I think it's easier for you to fool yourself into thinking, you know, that that into forgetting that like there was a whole lot of hypocrisy on paper. And so you say, no, I'm, you study African-American history, you see the real history of the country and what, how true it was in terms of its uh, commitment to freedom at certain stages. Uh, and I think that would be true, obviously, for you know, women's studies or for Chicano studies or any number of other mm-hmm. lenses. But for me, it was African-American studies. Uh, yeah, so. Yeah. And then you, uh, you tried your hand at, uh, you went to AmeriCorps? Yeah, I did AmeriCorps for, th- for three years. That's teaching, right? Uh, well, it's, it's kind of. AmeriCorps Vista is basically like you're you're a staff person working at an organization okay. for that period of time, doing a specific project, right. basically. I, I had a friend who did it. She ended up she did it for the teaching aspects. I, oh, okay. I, yeah, think, so I think that's the divisions. company she went through. I'm maybe like did she do Teach for America? Maybe. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what I'm thinking. Of. I think all, I think Teach for America is through the National Service Corps as well. Um, but there's AmeriCorps Vista, there's NCCC, there's all these different divisions. But yeah, I did that in Rhode Island, Providence, Rhode Island, where I had gone to school, and that was great. It was um, really kind of good life education, um, and I was doing kind of hip-hop-based programming for young people at an after-school program. <laughs> nice. So, How did you fun. end up back in Denver again? 
Well, that was basically me deciding while I was there, like, that it was kind of worth giving music a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, were, you, were you performing and... I was doing little things here and there. It was kind of a side project. I mean, I did it as part of my work <laughs> with kids in that school program. We did a hip-hop opera. We did, you know, a hip opera. Right. We did two of those. That was a ton of fun. Um, but, sorry, I'm getting far from the mic. No, no, you're fine. But we, uh, you know, I, I didn't see that as, like, my main thing. And I just thought, oh, it's kind of a hobby. It's kind of my side thing. And then there was a day where I was riding in the car with some kids. And these kids were just, you know, these are kids I'm always trying to get them to be interested in, like, you know, labor rights or police accountability or immigrants' rights. Or, and they're just kids. They're just being kids. And then this day, they were all singing along to Ja Rule and Ashanti's song, Always on Time. And they were singing, like, just, it was just this beautiful unison. It was like, you know, two Haitian kids, a Guatemalan kid, a Dominican kid. And um, I was like, man, that's, the voice on the radio is pretty powerful. What if I could be the voice on the radio? Um, and that's really the moment where I gave myself permission to really try to be the voice on the radio and to see what that's like. And so I called up uh, Stefan, talked to him, and was like, you know, he's like, why don't you come back to Denver and do it? And so I came back to Denver with the plan of starting a band so we could be the voice on the radio. <laughs> and it's funny because even though that was the plan, I think it's a little shocking still to look back and say, well, it worked. <laughs> Um, when did you become how did, how did you become such an outspoken character are you um I'm trying to think what else like I, I, you, you have I, a definite political voice and an agenda of sorts I, I hate to use the word just political right, agenda right, right, yeah seems to short side it but uh how did you become that character I think it was through feeling like um sort of aware of these concepts of privilege or of um, just inequality mm-hmm. well in high school in college it was very much about privilege like you know even by being at this institution that's a great privilege with great power comes great responsibility right. um, but also being aware of kind of you know inequality in the world and just feeling like you know the world's a pretty messed up place and there's systemic changes that need to happen and I feel like I owe it to people I'm in a place where I have some spare time or spare education or yeah. you know resources whatever and if there's folks who are working in sweatshops to make the clothes I'm wearing, the least I can do is, like, get myself educated enough to support them when they decide to, to fight for their rights. <laughs> so it just feels like to be, a, like, a ethical global citizen, you need to be paying enough attention that, you know, the, when the opportunity comes and there's a grape boycott in California, <laughs> that you at least boycott the grapes, you know? Right. And participate, help be in solidarity with these other yeah. human beings. Um. I did read that uh, you were you ended up back at your high school, right? Working within the, uh, you were tutoring. I was doing a yeah. I was I was a para. I, I don't have a teacher certificate, but I was I was doing a peer tutoring program, mm-hmm. coordinating that. Then there was a mentoring program I was doing, and just various things within right. the school, and that was really meaningful. I mean, I, going to that school, um, East High School in Denver. It's a great school. Um, I think one thing it's always struggled with is being kind of several schools within the, within a school. And there's sort of these entrenched, like, social um, kind of, you know, segregation, sort of different paths that different people just sort of end up taking because of their neighborhood they're in, because of the color of their skin, because of assumptions about them based on the color of their skin. And it just felt like I wanted to get into that school and um, help to kind of redirect the the flow of people. Uh, One of the things I was really proud of there is I started with some students this open mic club and um, you know when it started out it was really it was just the space for just like strong intellectual confident artistic African American youth not explicitly everyone was welcome but that was who gravitated towards there and there was a number of other people too um, and now since then it's become this really it's still going and it's become this really like beautiful multiracial space of people sharing all sorts of different poetry and rap and guitar and uh, singing and um, and I just think that feels important that you, there's that sometimes the way people move is almost like the flow of water you know right. like and if there's a rock here then this water is always going to go to the left and if you move the rocks around people go a different direction and you know I, a lot of the kids in the school that were coming from really wealthy backgrounds and making all, making assumptions about other kids in the school or or hungry for that connection with other kids in the school. You know, there was just so much potential there for that school, and it, I think it really has in the last few years 
especially with there's a, pr- a new principal there. I think it, it got a lot better. Nice. Yeah, I could talk for I could talk about that for <laughs> days, but um, yeah, I, I, did. I did read too that you were thinking about before the band took off. You're thinking about teaching yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because the band has taken off, but you still kind of had that mentor-esque role for so many young kids today. You it's know? funny. I, I certainly was kind of on that path. I When I first uh, finished college, I, or finished AmeriCorps, I applied to a Master's of Education, a Master's of Teaching program. I didn't get in, and that's actually the moment where I decided to come do the band, so it's kind of... I guess I'm glad that I didn't get in. <laughs> I didn't deserve to get in. I hadn't taken a single education class in college. Um, but it was funny as then, you know, I worked at the school, and then suddenly I quit my job and we're going on tour. And I looked at one of these shows in Chicago. It's like all these 16-year-old kids um, just, like, yelling out swear words in unison with me and, like, you know, mosh, just a little mosh pit going on. And um, I was like, man, I'm like the worst substitute teacher in the world. <laughs> <laughs> like how is this responsible? Uh, it's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, somehow you know you get to do that when you're a, when you're right. a, a rapper. I I had a uh, a girl I was seeing at the time. Handlebars broke. She was petrified. Like she was like, oh my god, my son is into rap music. Yeah, this is awful because she's a punk rock. Like yeah, okay, comes from that. Oh, background right. or whatever, whatever no, 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 means. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. but then she kind of got into you, and it was Handlebars that her son was into, and she started reading. She's like, "Well, they're kind of a punk rock band, and at least it's not that uh, ignorant rap music." You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so thank you for oh, you know, cameo from Brad Rabbit. Huh? What's up, man? Brad Rabbit cameo. Oh, you, you're lounging. I was like, "Oh, someone's just having a nice conversation." Yeah, yeah. It just means you must be with a skilled interviewer. Okay. He is a yeah, really yeah. No, I can tell. No, I can he's talking about your body wonderful. language that you're that <laughs> yeah. you're being asked like questions yeah. that you can actually reflect on, as opposed to be like, "Yeah, my favorite bands are." And he clearly has high standards because at the beginning it was like, "I hope you know." It wasn't like he came into like, "I'm gonna nail this." He's like, "Well, I try to just." But yeah, you're, this is one of my better. This is yeah. one of my favorite interviews, actually. Oh dang! Well, awesome. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you guys. Yeah. 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 Pleasure to meet you, Stephen. What was your name? I'm sorry. Damien. Damien. I'm sorry. So nice yeah. to meet you, Damien. Bro Rabbit. Bro Rabbit exclusive. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. We'll talk later. Um, yeah, so, I mean, like here in Colorado Springs, we have a huge juggalo right. fan base. Right. And it's terrible. I hate it. They just, um, they, in this, lately the culture is embracing ignorance, but that you guys are out there, you know, embracing the airwaves with something intelligent and smart. Thank you for uh, being good role models. I'm like, do you find that, uh, that I'm, I'm very interested in jugglers, and I don't, I have to say, I don't know, I've only listened to some ICP stuff here right. and there, but uh, I think it's incredible how powerful a subculture is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have a little cousin in Texas, and he's talking about, you know, just the fact that there's just, one band has sprouted off, you know, communities of people all over the country. And, you know, I, what those communities do is always the question. You know, what do people do when they're in community? Um, but it's pretty powerful. I, I think it's exactly what I, what I was sort of banking on when I came back to Denver thinking, like, I want to do music. Um, the idea that subculture, when you're a kid, you're looking for some how to identify yourself, who to identify with, something to unify around. And um, it is really powerful, and so yeah, I'm very interested in jugglers. Yeah. <laughs> um, you you should come down here sometime because I know you just live in Denver. We do probably once a month, and just because you know you know we got to pay the bill somehow, so uh, we'll do a juggalo night here that um, like a hundred, two hundred stinky, smelly juggalo kids come in here, and they've got these girlfriends. Well, a lot of these stinky smells. Yeah, and they are, and that's and I don't get it, but they, they get up on stage, and they're like singing songs about raping and cutting women while their girlfriends are in the front row singing along, and they're so proud of their men, and I'm just like, what's, what's wrong with, ugh, so you should, I mean, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all interesting, I mean, I, I think it's, Odd Future's pretty interesting yeah. to me, follow those guys at all? No, no. So Odd Future, uh, you know, this group that came out just blew up on the internet last year, and, uh, you know, they're, their lyrics are kind of it's similar stuff, you know, just like kind of shock value and uh, and some real like kind of nihilistic stuff, I guess. Um, but they have a band member, uh, Frank Ocean, or kind of a crew member, okay. who's a I've heard of him. Recently. Yeah, well, he yeah. you know he came out. He's and he, I mean, really, he's the first kind of 
pr prominent hip hop person on that level to come out, and it was really powerful. And he, he came out of the closet. He came out of the closet. Yeah. Uh, he you know, he basically just posted some stuff that was going to be in his liner notes. This talked about how his first love, the first time he fell in love, was with a man. It was several years ago. And everybody rallied behind him. I mean, people like Buster Rhymes, who in the past you could see him on tape kind of being homophobic, come out. They all come out in support. And you look at Odd Future's lyrics, and they, you know, they, they say faggot, and they say, all, you know, they, they're all over the place, but they're completely supportive of him. And so I, I'm, I think the way people treat their music and their art, there's so many different ways. Like, I, I think of it when I'm writing a song, like, I'll think of, like, how are people going to treat the song. I, I kind of take it real seriously. But... You know, I think in the 90s when rappers were talking about Keep It Real, I always thought, like, well, that's a, kind of a trap. Because if, why don't you ever get to act, you know? Like, not actors aren't up there like, I got to keep it real. Like, I'm, I have a gun in this play, so I'm going to have a gun in real life. So, you know, you get to act and you get to play. And I think some, you know, maybe that's what I'm missing is the odd future and jugglers, everyone else. It's like, we're going to go play out these roles. Um, and it's gonna, it's theater. It's guar, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, not that every person that goes there is going to adhere to that you're going to have people that take it seriously and are you know like when I heard about the gathering where they like were it was a mob, it was mob violence on Tequila Tequila that really you know was scary to me because I think people there were like yeah it's just part of the act I'm throwing glass at this woman but she's that's a real woman mm -hmm. you know you're about to hurt an actual human being um, so yeah anyway that's I, that, you it's bring, very interesting to me though the you, role you what art is you, know? you do bring on an interesting idea that uh, like on stage, you're Johnny Five. Right. But are you always Johnny Five? Is there a turnoff point where it's just like, I'm just Jamie today? I mean, I'm grateful that I have a moniker because every now and then I'll be introduced as like, ladies and gentlemen, Jamie Lara from the Flowbots, and I just like freak out. I feel naked. Um, but I don't. I can't say what the actual separation is. But yeah, I'm, you know, when I'm walking around, I'm basically Jamie. But if I you know, see someone that knows me, says, hey, Johnny Five, then I'm Johnny Five for a second. Nice. I, I read something, uh, I heard something, and it stuck out with me that people with stage names, it's easier for them to accept, like, a negative review, you know, somebody uh, saying, like, yeah, God, like yeah. Johnny Five's lyrics on this album are terrible, right, but you right. can step back and be like, did somebody say that? Guy. Uh, I'm just, yeah, I, yeah, I, I that's just an example, that. I can't remember the person or where I heard that, but it yeah, was well, an interesting I, idea. I know people that have made their, their real name, people who, you know, perform under their real name, and then they make that a stage name. Mm hmm and then they pick another name um, for their real name and I completely relate because like I said if I didn't have a stage name I think I'd feel pretty weird yeah well okay well uh, let's let's switch up some gears here sure, sure. sorry we, we didn't pick that comfortable a spot oh it's good <laughs> um, okay so you got dropped by Universal Republic how disappointing was that was it well, disappointing well we, we kind of was it we, we kind of parted ways like we we sort of saw the writing on the wall and mm -hmm talked to them and kind of said look we you know we think we should probably just do our own thing here yeah um it was uh you know it wasn't disappointing it wasn't really I don't think we were invested in like being with Universal Republic for a long time right I think it was a great opportunity for us when we um you know had that when Handlebars kind of took the world by storm or took the country by storm it was great to have like professionals really working it and to kind of be up in that machine for a little bit and see kind of what that did. And it sort of disseminated this song and our music all over the country, and it, that felt great. Um, but I think it also, it was great, this last album, Circle in the Square, to, we were completely on our own. Um, we just, it was just us, our money, our time, our timeline, our artistic sensibilities. And, you know, it had never been, Universal had never really meddled in what we did. They'd asked a lot of questions, like, do you want to do this? And we would most often say no because we didn't want to. And part, but it was also like we didn't want to do something they suggested. Uh, we were almost maybe hyper vigilant on that. So at this point, it was just like all up to us. And that's why this album feels so good because we made the album just like with Fire with Tools. We made that album with nobody, and then we we sought out you know management, label, whatever else. And so that feels like a good way to do it. Yeah. Um, Keep the art side art and the business side business. I was I was looking at the label you guys are putting or have put out the new album with right. it was an interesting choice why those yeah. guys well I mean we're, we're kind of uh, sharing the stuff with a lot of different people and um, they said you know they wanted to get into the world of alter alternative mm -hmm. their argument was pretty simple it was twofold it was one we have demonstrated success in other genres that we work with in like you know, smooth jazz or, or gospel or yeah. uh, they work with 
Fela Kuti, Ladysmith, Black Mabaza. And they said, we want to apply that formula to alternative. Not the formula, but the kind of like that work ethic. Mm-hmm. And, and the second thing they said is like, look, we're small. We call up somebody, try to get you on the radio. They say no. We're going to call them up the next day, try to get you on the radio. We don't have another artist to turn to, you know. Right. And it was all pretty convincing, and it, it, it seemed like a good way to go. So it's a one-album deal, and we'll... We'll see where we are at the end of this album. How come you didn't just put it out on your own, start your own label? We thought about that quite a bit. I think we felt like the things that happened so fast in the, uh, you know, the time with Universal, it was just such a whirlwind that we hadn't had time to really like learn. I mean, there was a lot of things we could have learned in that process, but we were so busy just kind of chasing the success of Handlebars that we didn't, we hadn't learned some of the things we needed to learn to be able to do it on our own. Right. So we thought, let's. You know, play it safe here. Let's focus on getting the music out there, and then if we want to develop those business skills to put it out on our own, let's do that in the next album. Cool. You know, so that's a possibility, certainly. Right. Um, yeah, but we, you know, we want the music out there. Yeah. So you had reached worldwide success with Handlebars. Um, you have a second album. You're doing it on your own. What is the thought process? Was the thought process scary going in and recording this new album, or is it a little bit more down to earth? No, we were really excited about this one. It was just sort of like, um, I think. If there was any kind of fear or around like a follow-up thing, that came, that was survival story, you know. Yeah. Um, which I stand behind that album. We did what we wanted to do, um, but I think with this album we felt even just more free, and we just kind of came at it from a number of different directions. We write things collaboratively, so we kept doing it that way. And I just I, I liked how all the songs came together. Cool. It felt pretty organic yeah. uh, so what comes first is it the rhyme or the song or is that a different, combination different on every song yeah. like we, we've looked for kind of a formula we've always thought like, well, yeah, what's, the, what's our process but we don't have a process it's just we've just accepted that like the song's just going to come out how it comes out and it, it might start in Mackenzie's head and you know, it might start on Jesse's fingers it might start a beat from Kenny it could start with a conversation between Stefan and I um, but however it comes out we just try to respect that and like make it what it's supposed to be it shows too because the albums I don't want to say they're all over the place but they take they all have the same feeling like all the tracks they have that same Flowbots feel mm-hmm. but they can go in completely different directions without ever feeling like it's a different band I, I think my goal is for us to be that they might be giants of hip hop nice you know? <laughs> that's a good goal <laughs> um, so uh, so you know let's move ahead um, I'm, I'm really happy that you, you and Stefan have chosen to include a band right, into it because right. so many guys show up here and they're like, yeah, we got an iPod, we got a CD, yeah, backing yeah. tracks. You know, why the full band? Well, I mean, early on, like, first couple shows in Denver, it was like a DJ, uh, Stefan, myself, and then Mackenzie. Um, and I'm about to sneeze in a second, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. Um, and that was cool. I mean, honestly, the DJs we were working with, we, they just kept being flaky. Yeah. <laughs> I know plenty of great DJs, but the ones it just so happened that way. So we, um, you know, we tried out. Uh, you know, Andy was like, "Hey, why don't you try with the full band?" And we're like, "All right, let's do it." And so we, the first time we tried that was like a Rock the Vote show, October 9th, two thousand and four. I remember, and just the feeling was like, "Oh wow, you're just immersed in the music, and like, just seeing people in the audience just move to it. It's just a better feeling." Um, so you know, I have a ton of respect for all the artists that can work with the, like, you know, DJ MC team ups that are able to just like rock a show that way because I think that's one of the hardest ways to do it right. Um, and a band just felt like had so many advantages, um, and it just felt felt good. So. I uh, I'm not a particularly huge hip hop fan, but uh, the stuff I do like typically has a band behind it, yeah. and that's probably just from my own upbringing. So I really enjoy that that aspect of it. Um, like it takes it back to like the trap called Quest kind of days, which is one of those acts that I people are like, you love a trap called Quest, absolutely, and the Beastie Boys, and all, yeah. you know, I yeah. I like what I like, and you know, but I like you guys too, so that's fun. And um, so let's talk about Flowbots.org. Sure. Um, how did that start? I mean, basically no. boring bullshit question, but you know. I mean, it was kind of like, I think we had always had this sort of commitment to doing some kind of, um, I mean, you know, we started the band in an election year 2004, trying to get our generation kind of mobilized, educated, active in that election. Um, we even had an organization going on then called Voter Cruise, um, and that kind of 
fizzled out after that but there was always this feeling like we can make change through this music um, and it was you know 2007 there was some conversations there was a, somebody who knew of this place the Denver Children's Home she was actually part of a foundation and said I would I would love to fund you guys and partner with you to set up a studio like a, a youth music studio there in the basement um, this little one room studio and uh, I'd love for you guys to be doing workshops there so we worked that out and we did that um, and it was band members who were teaching the workshops right. and it was just so satisfying for all of us for them at the organization at the, the Denver Children's Home the kids there everyone it was just mutually beneficial for everybody and so we were all really imagining that we would do that full time we were going to do that and we were going to mobilize fans at shows to do community projects and then suddenly Handlebars takes off and we're all going to be touring for months and we say look we can't do it it's going to have to be we're going to have to get other folks to do it so we got other musicians involved we got a board of directors together formed a formal organization in 2008 and that's where org was born please uh, what, what's your uh, what project are you most proud of is there any one can there be one I mean right now the thing I'm most uh, kind of the thing that we're it's right in front of us is a this thing a youth media studio in the basement of uh, not the basement the ground level of one of the this, uh, uh, redevelopment of public housing right. happening in the La Alma neighborhood in Denver um, and that's to be a place where the programs are already running um, can happen, but also where people from the neighborhood can get access to some of those programs. Great. Yeah. Cool. How can people become involved? Well, like, we're always looking for volunteers. If you go to flowbus.org, um, send an email to somebody to info at flowbus.org, or there's a, there's a Jamie there that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> Our ED is also named Jamie, which is really confusing. Um, and she can you know plug you into ways to volunteer and help yeah. out. Um, all right, well, let's uh, let's start wrapping this up. Sorry, I didn't mean to oh, right. take your time so long. No, but uh, sure. um, so, are you happy with the person you've become now at thirty-four years old? I am. You know, I uh, I think uh, well, I always feel grateful to sort of have a path, mm-hmm. to sort of have this sense of like, yeah, this is what I'm. This is a good thing for me to be doing. Like, this is something I'm good at enough to be able to do it for a living, and it's fulfilling to me enough to be able to do it yeah. on a daily basis. So I feel really grateful for that because that can be hard to like yeah. know exactly what to do in life. <laughs> what, what, what do you recommend for like these these young children who are getting into your stuff? How do how do they find their paths? I mean, that's that's Very always nice. the question. But I think I think take seriously your passions and interests mm-hmm. and um, and make them be, let them be multiple. I mean, five years five or six years ago, I was equal parts interested, you know, excited about becoming a teacher someday and excited about becoming a rapper and uh, I'm still excited to become a teacher someday yeah well you kind of are now in some ways yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure so yeah I'm, I'm happy but I'm always, I'm always trying to improve right <laughs> um, how is it you know for these young kids how important is it to stand up and, uh, and use their voice I think it's very important I think uh, you know you look at social movements and it's often people that are so much younger than you could imagine that are making the change. That was a point emphasized to me by a mentor, uh, Dr. Vincent Harding. You know, a lot of the civil rights movement actions, some of those were middle school kids that were doing walkouts and or with the immigration, um, the immigrants' rights marches, but, you know, four or five years ago, that was a lot of folks in middle and high school that were doing these walkouts. Um, so there's a lot you can do as a, as a young person, and uh, I think it's important to do Nice. Um, so what's next for the band? You guys are about to embark on a full U.S. tour with Astronautilus. That's true. We're, we're excited for that. We're just, you know, it's been too long. We want to get out there. We want to be playing these songs for people. We love these songs with people so far. The reactions have been great. People are into them. And that's really it, you know. And uh, then hopefully we'll get over to, like, you know, Europe and maybe some other places, too. Nice. Uh, well, I'm out of, out of shit to talk about. You got anything else you want to throw down there? No, just uh, thanks a lot for the interview. It's really been fun. Well, thank you, man. Yeah. Well, we'll see you inside. All right, buddies. Thanks for tuning in this week. Uh, Thank you again to Jamie, a.k.a. Johnny Five, for hanging out with me in the Black Sheep parking lot. Uh, Thank you for talking to me as long as you did, man. Um, One of the longer episodes we've done in a while. And that's just, you know, and I think that if... uh, if I had kept going, we probably could have gone for an hour, hour and a half with deep, meaningful conversation. Uh, we did not choose the most comfortable spot to sit in at the parking lot. Um, 
But, man, it was fun. It was good times. And another side note, uh, one of the most intimate interviews I ever did, um, I did at that very same spot. God, about eight years ago, I interviewed Christian Jacobs, a.k.a. MC Bat Commander of the Aqua Bats. Um, and that interview is kind of the basis for everything we're doing here. Uh, I'd uncovered the fact that Christian Jacobs was a childhood actor growing up before forming the Aqua Bats. And we started off the interview talking about that, and it opened him up, and it changed you know, he, he told me later on after the interview he had never opened up quite that way in an interview before, and it was all because I had uncovered that stuff about his childhood in the past and was talking a lot about that. And I've made a conscious effort to unlock those childhood secrets, which is kind of one of the reasons why we open up every show talking about childhood. So it's really interesting to revisit that spot in that parking lot and talk to somebody else and have as meaningful conversation again. So uh, thank you again, Jamie, for hanging out with me. Uh, make sure to pick up Circle in the Square. It is out right now, this second, in all your favorite record stores. Make sure to hit up your mom and pop record stores first. Uh, and then, you know, you can't find it on iTunes, it online, I don't know, whatever. Uh, we're going to go ahead and end this episode with another song off the Flowbots album. Uh, before I get that far, please, if you first time listening to Most of the Harmless Podcast, please visit it. Most of the Harmless podcast.com uh, i've got i think this is the 24th 25th episode it's mind-blowing to think that we've done this many so far in such a short amount of time uh thank you everyone for your support please go check out some of the other interviews check out that andrew wk interview i got check out uh broadway calls check out red fang there's some really cool uh great stuff that i'm really proud of uh expand your horizons if you're uh, just a hip-hop dude listening to this for the hip-hop i wanted to go listen to uh i don't know broadway calls open that mind up buddies I did it, and it worked out great. Uh, please uh, visit us on iTunes. Leave us an iTunes review. Like us on Facebook. And, uh, hey, if you really, really like us, buy a T-shirt. We've got uh, T-shirts for sale at the mostofharmlesspodcast.com store. Uh, again, we're going to end this episode with another song off Circle in the Square, out now on Sanchi Records. Uh, and, hell, this song is called Circle in the Square. It's the title track off this record. Uh, please, if you're in Colorado and you're one of the Colorado listeners, let's uh, let's hang out at the uh, November 3rd show at the Gothic Theater in Denver with Astronautilus. Uh, hopefully I'll score an interview with him that night. Uh, I'm going to leave you guys with this. I never really know how to end these things. I just kind of ramble. Nah, 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 let's just keep talking, buddies. But no, this is Circle and Square off Circle and Square. Out now. Flowbots. Johnny Five. Thanks, guys. We're the circle in the square. Hands in the air, president, prime minister. They said that we didn't care. We're the circle in the square. Hands in the air, president, prime minister. They said that we didn't care. We're the circle in the square. Hands in the air, president, prime minister. They said that we didn't care. We're the circle in the square.